Welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name's Travis. And this is Luke. We are Southern Men De-Reconstructing the South. Tonight we have on three guests. JP, you want to introduce yourself? Hello. Good evening, gentlemen. I am JP. I have the Patriarchy Podcast. If you know, I, I... had quite a few of these fellas on already on that one and more than happy to be here for wherever this ride may take us. We also have JJ. I'm uh, tuning in from a, a undisclosed beach somewhere in the South Pacific. <laughs> Same, I'm parrot heading this weekend. And we also have Mr. James Leck, who is his, this is his debut on a podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. Just want to say, long time listener, first time caller. (laughs) (laughs) The Alabama guys will get that reference. Monkey grass and green acres. Anyway, so so tonight, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, I was going to. Move this right on along. We are talking about transhumanism today. Transhumanism. That's a spooky word that's been running around the internet for a little while. Um, so we... What's that? I'm glad we're keeping it light. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to keep it light. So I, I want to... Before we go into any of the specifics... I'd like to get a good definition down. So we talked about a definition. Um, Travis, are you up for this definition? Or you want me to roll with it? Yes, the the one that you posted in the chat earlier. I'm yes. To, but I'm a, being a boomer right now and can't find it. Uh-oh. Y- y'all 40K post a lot today, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, someone yeah. someone. Someone's snorting all the Adderall today, I see. Um, That's right. <laughs> but, uh, on the uh, pen, <laughs> on the pen, dude, yeah, I mean, I, I tried to find it too the, before it, we aired because I, I it's been a few days since I read it, but I liked it, uh, what I saw from it. Um, it unfortunately, I think you unpinned, you unpinned. I got um, it right now. All right. Yeah. Found it. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. Uh, so our definition of transhumanism, we talked like, for a couple of weeks about this and really had to get this down. But the definition we're going with is uh, transhumanism is the reconceptualization of man as mere materially derived reason devoid of morals and creatureliness. That's a, that's a mouthful. So So, yeah, we need to unpack that a little bit. Just for uh, comparison's sake, I think it would be, it's worthwhile. I have a if you just Google transhumanism, the thing that pops up is social and philosophical movement devoted to promoting the research and development of robust human enhancement technologies. <laughs> okay. Google. Right. So it's false right. advertising. So it's false. Do, do what? Someone was cutting in and out. Am I cutting in and out? You're fine now. Okay. I go. I said, Google, there's there's your first problem. 
I know. I did it on purpose, man. You know, I wanted to see what Google had to say. So it'd be interesting. But um, I think uh, read the, your definition, you know, again, one more time. So I want everybody, to, I want this to sink in uh, for the audience and myself because I got to kind of recalibrate my chakras. Let's go. Okay. All right. So here we go. Uh, transhumanism is the reconceptualization of man as mere materially derived reason, devoid of morals and creatureliness. So, so basically, so that definition that you gave right there, it really reminds me more of um, uh, libertarianism, because basically a man is this just this object that you can plug and play with like a, like a, a cog in a machine. And um, I, th I think that's what we're really going to, right, is we're just going to be cogs in a machine and we're not going to have any, any. Um, I think the word that you like to say, any modes about us. We have no desires, no wishes. We are just simply are. We're comfortable in our life and we just want to coast. Yeah, I, I think that that is um I, I think libertarianism is a is a is a pinch point for us because we came from that tradition but really what this does is goes back to the enlightenment uh and the enlightenment in general sought to do this it was really the first step um but the specific flavor in which we as americans are taking uh i always i, I think uh, JJ, when we when we had that last podcast together, I said it's basically going to be like cyberpunk, or um, you know something of that nature, uh, where it's it's going to be fundamentally you're going to be worthless, and that's how society is going to operate. Right, but I mean, as long as you're, you're playing your cards right, you're you're not going to be. You're not gonna. You might be living in the slum, but you're gonna be comfortable. You know, you're gonna have your skooma every day. Not skooma. What's that? Yeah. Right. You're gonna become a troll. You're gonna have your soma, or you're gonna have your your drug, like Philip K. Dick says in the Scanner Darkly, is a good rendition of it. I think. If any of you guys have. Read any Would you guys consider like microdosing a uh, part of the tra transhumanism, like implanting and or having that constant feed or uh, microdose feed? Well, I think what the interesting thing about about trans, you know, the, because it, whenever you talk about like isms and stuff like that, like you know, I mean, I I understand the inclination to. Number one, kind of related to what uh, KB said about um, libertarianism and also what you said earlier about the Enlightenment. But wherever the kind of patient zero is or the like seed of this came from, I think that, um, you know, I, I think it would be worthwhile for us to just like uh, to, to ask ourselves, like, you know, go like where – as far as your as far as you're concerned um like what happened to make you aware of this like how did you become aware of it just i think it's a nice icebreaker like you know because we all come yeah, from different parts of the country we all have different you know uh kind of 
uh, I wouldn't say different worldviews, but we have different philosophies, um, different backgrounds. And I don't know, I'd be interested to know where each of you guys, have, like, how did this even come into your head? Because you say cyberpunk and, you know, I'm inclined to to kind of agree with you in that in that sense, in a kind of image sense. But I think it'd be interesting to, before we really get into the meat of this, just to know, like, I mean, because I, I don't, because I know, I know all of y'all pretty well, um, but I don't know, like, how you even thought about this uh, for the first time or how it came to you. Archaeo futurism. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, yeah, JP, like, well, how did you, like, when was the first time you actually just thought about whatever you want to call it, like being fused with the Matrix, uploading your consciousness, oh. singularity, all that shit, you know? Oh, man. Way back when I was just a young in college, 2004 and five, when I got introduced to, I know, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to shill it again. Alex Jones. Um, and, you know, all the, obviously, with all the Matrix stuff happening at the time and is how popular that was and as far as how far they took that whole trilogy um basically just just turned into a dragon ball z episode at the last one but um the the interesting part about what i took from the matrix was not so much the melding or the fusing of the machine to man or man to machine is more so it was what always struck me as weird with this is how the dynamic changed how the machine became dependent on us right and that always kind of stuck with me because of how kind of kind of mind-numbing that was to think about but then also like well if you're if you're a prisoner within your own head and here i and here i go <sighs> That, I mean, I know that has quite a few connotations to it, but if you're a prisoner in your own head because you're imprisoned by machines, then then where does that, I mean, where does that leave the humanity in, in you and anybody else? So that's what kind of, that's what I guess kind of got the ball rolling and, you know, made me made me think about it from there. And I didn't exactly think it was transhumanism. You know, I didn't put it in a term or an ism in any way, shape or form. It just kind of stuck there. And that's about it. So, so when I first started actually thinking about this whole transhumanism topic, what, what really like I think was an iceberg for me was was uh, well, really, it was about learning who humans actually are so i started you know going into the uh the theology of of anthropology what is man and they kind of all fell into place like i'm i'm a human but i'm ontologically a male like let's just let's just use um gender roles or sexual roles for as an example um I, i'm not just a a blank slate human that happens to be male I, I am ontologically male and I'm fundamentally different from my female counterparts. Uh, and then looking at everything else and how we're just trying to, you know, 
what what on the surface looks like we're we're bulldozing hierarchies that was originally established, you know, in the creation created order, um, and and them fashioning us to be just basically gumbies. You know, we're just this androgynous people that, you know, yes, I was, you know, quote unquote, assigned male at birth, but really I'm just a human. I'm nothing special. I'm not, you know, my, 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 um, uh, my sex does not determine what I'm actually doing. Right. Versus, and, and, and that's just, you know, that's just making you a clean slate and then, at that point, you might as well be plugged into the matrix because there's nothing fundamentally unique about you. Let's just keep you fed and happy. And you just go, you know, it doesn't matter if anything's real because life doesn't matter. But I'm kind of going on a tangent right now. So, uh, um, so for my end, I originally thought the idea of transhumanism sounded awesome. Uh, I I heard about transhumanism from one of the modern day prophets. His name's Ray Kurzweil, um, and I I listened to you know a bunch of his talks. I I, I think I read one of his books um, where he was talking about you know at some point we're going to get uploaded into machines and we'll be free from the body. And you know you immediately think of all the cool stuff you can do. Uh, if you aren't limited physically, if you can transcend your physicality. And that, and that's really the selling point of transhumanism. You don't have to be a frail human. You can be something more than that if only you give up your flesh. And... and... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry to interject. I just... It, when you said... When you said when you, when you were like what detached from the body just like struck a chord with me um because i think it picks up on something uh, i shouldn't have uh, interrupted though uh it just i had to say that i think that's a key point about yeah I think it's just something that we should go further on later yeah and that it actually ties into you know my perspective on this so you know coming into things from especially a libertarian perspective, that appeal of being able to one day no longer be bound by physicality um, became more appealing. You know, if you could have a free society without any form of coercion where free peoples could interact with one another, um, then, you know, that would be amazing, right? I mean, you could have a bunch of people in a computer go across the galaxy and do things. Um, but there's a few elements that really stuck in my mind where, and I, I think there was a, a few pivotal points. One of them was actually a video game that I played uh, called Soma, where, you know, you, you're uploaded into a, a, a computer, but you can't, you're not just uploaded, you're copied. And so you in two there's two points in the game, one in the middle, one in the end, where in the middle you actually copied yourself over into a new body that's better than the one you had. And now you have to watch as your old self struggles in this room where he's locked in there permanently. Can't go anywhere. And 
the the only way he's going to die is if uh, the the body that he's in decays. And then the second time they flip the script and you upload a copy of yourself into this computer that shoots out into space and you're the one left at the bottom of the, the ocean. Um, that was a good, that, that, that shift in perspective, you know, it's cool that you can be disembodied. And then all of a sudden, uh, now there's a, there, now there's a state in which that detachment becomes highly unpalatable. You wouldn't want to be the guy stuck in the, in the, in the, in the water. You wouldn't be the one, you wouldn't want to be the guy in a mechanical body that's slowly decaying. Um, but then when you start getting into um, what Travis said, you know, a proper doctrine of the body, proper understanding of nature, uh, understanding that man is a multifaceted creature and part of what you are is your body. You're not merely just reason. Um, all of that kind of in the, in the last, uh, you know, four or five years, couple that with the amount of, manipulation of information so you know i'm going to upload my brain into a computer and now people who control the programs that allow me to operate and function have control over what i can see they have a control over what i can hear they have control over what i can taste interact with uh so even the promise that they gave you at the beginning, this unfettered freedom, is not really the case. It's always filtered through their perception of what reality ought to be. Um, and so the, the, the people who are promising you something are lying to you, in, the, in essence. But on top of that, uh, what it means to be human has to be erased. And they'll openly say this. This is not something that they're shy about they have to you have to erase what it means to be human and reinvent that in our image um and so that it's freaking terrifying frankly uh and then i read that hideous strength that was the the real final nail in seeing it really as the demonic idea that it is um understanding that humanity must be this cohesive unit. It can't just be isolated to one side. Um, it, that That's really the, the... I know that's kind of a long explanation, but mine's less of a, oh, I found out about this, and it's more of a trajectory of at first liking it and slowly becoming more and more... Uh, having more and more hatred of the idea. So, mm -hmm. And can I just riff off a point you made there real quick? Um, yeah, because I I have never really thought about this uh, subject a whole lot, and then y'all invited me on here, so I've been kind of casting in my mind for the past couple of days to understand, you know, what it's about, where it's coming from, and um, I uh, I did my expert research by watching the Six Million Dollar Man, uh, so uh, old TV show. Sorry, um, it's all good. Anyhow, it's it's a good show. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so you made a point about how they, they, they promise you, you know, they make endless promises of, of human perfection. And one thing that struck me with transhumanism is I think there's a lot of levels to it. And I think 
pornography is a uh, is is probably an actual level to it in a way, but just like all the quote unquote experts out there, you know, they tell you how good it is for you and how healthy it can be and beneficial, and they've really rewired the human mind because they figured they can they figured out they can they can uh, you know titillate certain uh, things in your mind in order to get dopamine rush. Uh, they're basically gaming your mind to make you th- your mind think it's actually having sex, but it's not. But they don't, you know, and, and they're going to find you're going to find this out with the transhumanism in the future that they may have all of the the I don't know the the nuts and bolts down. I guess the um, all of the the physical the material side down. They figure out they you know you 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 do a certain thing and you get certain reactions, but they don't underlie or they some of them do understand, but uh, just like we're finding out with porn, there's the um, there's the spiritual aspect, and then the the later on down the road, there's actual physical um, uh, physical uh, problems that crop up later. You know, we're we're in a generation that's experiencing. You know, guys in their twenties are experiencing impotency, and um, I just thought that was an interesting correlation from my end was that. They both promise you the same thing, you know. Porn uh, uh, promises you boundless pleasures and you know endless women in a harem, basically in your mind. But it only delivers really brokenness and uh, destruction at the end. And transhumanism is the same. It'll offer you, um, you know, the boundless abilities to escape the limitations of your body. But uh, it's going to have the ultimate same conclusion. And that definitely makes me think of the quote. So I'm just going to say it. What more realistically is this mutation? The new man? He is the rootless man, discontinuous with a past that nihilism has destroyed, the raw material of every demagogue's dream, the free thinker and skeptic. Closed out or closed only to the truth, but open to each new intellectual fashion because he himself has no intellectual foundation. Intellectual foundation. The seeker, after some new revelation, ready to believe anything new because true faith has been annihilated in him. The planner, an experimenter, worshiping fact because he has abandoned truth, seeing the world as a vast laboratory in which he is free to determine what is possible. The autonomous man, pretending to the humility of only asking his rights, yet full of pride that expects everything to be given him in a world where nothing is authoritatively forbidden. The man of the moment, without conscience or values, and thus at the mercy of the strongest stimulus, the rebel, hitting all restraint, restraint and authority because he himself is his own and only God. The mass man, this new barbarian, thoroughly reduced and simplified, incapable of only the most elementary ideas, yet scornful of anyone who presumes to point out the higher things of the real complexity of life. From blessed Father Seraphim Rose. I mean, that quote just <laughs> basically, I mean, that that is a lot. There's a lot of what this could turn into, what it could uh, for 
better use of a word, evolve into because of where we're going, especially at the mercy of the strongest stimulus and then having to rebel or hitting all the restraint and authority because you know we think we're our only God um, and, and, you know, not thinking that might be a mass kind of ritual and or joining of, I guess you could say, well, for, for, it's a family show. So you're joining the lemmings, right? And thinking that, oh, well, these rights are given to me and I can have these rights because I am who I am and you don't understand who I am. But yet at the same time, you need to respect my rights. But then if you don't, you know, I can... I can call you names and call you out for it too. So you, so you do see a certain aspect of that, especially, you know, within a political spectrum. So there is that, well, well now, now it's become basically rootless. Um, and I mean, it's just, it is just that nihilism that's there and just eating away at, well, I mean, picking, Pick your poison by that point. So, you I mean, you might as well. I mean, it, it me, makes me uh, think that um, you, you're hinting at a little bit in uh, JP and what um, person before you, James, said with pornography and um, the host before James, when he was talking about how he first initially thought of it, what uh, it's what I'm saying is that I think it's worthwhile uh, thinking about um, why is it attractive to so many and what does it say about us as a people or the people that believe in it? And also furthermore, I mean, what we're really talking about is what we're kind of beating around the bush is what I'm beating around the bush is, is about human nature. You know, the this is a huge question. It's like, because you can't really go at, transhumanism until you start identifying what you know if we're saying we don't like transhumanism and we all agree we don't um we have to kind of know exactly what human nature is what's the essence of being a human but also we have to know why it is that so many people are attracted to it now james talked about pornography and that's a great example because it's like you know pretty obvious why people you know why men and and people would be you know gravitating towards that because it's like you know instant instant gratification you know um you know it's pleasurable etc uh without getting into the nitty-gritty but like it it's like the prime example of a of a physical instinct drive you know to have sex and like he said also getting chemicals involved biochemicals you know, hormones and what they can do, they being, you know, it doesn't have to be the nefarious day, but what science can do, medicine, psychology, et cetera, like by uh, what they know about neuroscience and human behavior and biochemistry, what they know about it, you know, how to play all these keys the right way, like trying to maneuver you or play you like a piano like Dosetsky said you know um you know i refuse men will refuse to be played like a piano but you kind of counter to what Dosetsky famously said is that i think a lot of 
a lot of men uh, like being played like a piano key. Uh, well, you know, so um, there's a lot of things going on, you know, um, you know, I, I think that like we have to address, um, uh, I think, you know, what lies at the bottom of this, you know, why, why would people want to be uh, uploaded into the matrix or not ever die? Well, I mean, it should be kind of obvious. I mean, our inclination as be living beings is to live not to die you know the default setting uh it is you you know something's wrong with you if you want to die right uh unfortunately there's a lot of people that are depressed and, and have you know uh, health issues and stuff like that for every for any different reasons but fundamentally people want to live and so like this doesn't come out of nowhere right like it it's um playing upon all these different things and mary shelley you know frankenstein i think I was trying to like think back, like when was the uh, patient zero of this kind of thought process, at least in the Western tradition. And, you know, you could go further back than even Mary Shelley. Um, <clears throat> you could go back. I would go back to, honestly, I would go back to Goethe. I would go back further than that um, because it plays upon, you know, the Faustian tradition of, uh, I don't want to say Faustian tradition, I, the Faustian uh, gamble and also, you know, the Greeks talked about Icarus, right? The myth of Icarus and uh, the Promethean stealing the fire from the gods. I mean, this mm. is all interwoven into uh, as far back as you can go, right? right. Like we, well, that, was, that was also the Luciferian bargain too. Oh yeah, the fire, the the fire. Well, that was like one one second. Uh, now's actually a great time to bring up one of the questions that I asked. Uh, I think it was last week in in the chat. And um, when you said the Luciferian bargain was the temptation in the garden, the temptation towards transhumanism in a sense. JP says he's dis he disagrees with me, but hear hear my argument for this. And again, I'm not totally settled on this, so you know I'm just kind of putting a thesis out there. Uh, he was offering her something that would have denigrated her ontology and made her not not as human as before the fall so they she yeah. you know she was offered she was offered to be like a god literally you know that, that's what that's what satan said is like you will be like god and i, I so think the was, short answer to that's yes I, I think it was a transhumanist argument um, and and I would say this because um, the the goal of being human, the, the 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 telos of humanity, let's put it that way, is imaging Christ. Like that's that's the entire reason we were made, is to be like Christ. I think Romans eight uh, is a really good passage for this because you know it's specifically talking about salvation. Um, but you see the same kind of sentiment echoed in, in John 17, where he's saying, you know, let them be one with each other and with us as I am with you. And he was speaking to God the Father. And that oneness that he's talking about is oneness in modality in this sense, um, where there are things that we uh, 
it, this is kind of funny because I, I was looking for a reason, a, a, a good spot to pull in the quote. Uh, but I'm going to pull in the C.S. Lewis quote since I've, I've, I've got it up. Uh, but before I do that, just the being like Christ is the point of humanity. And, you know, part of being redeemed, part of having your heart changed, part of uh, honoring Christ and trying to love him and serve him is being like him. Like, that's the whole point. It's not to follow a bunch of rules. It's about loving him and being with him and having unity with him as a, um, you know, the, the parallel that is given between the husband and wife versus Christ and the church. That parallel there that we're supposed to be in union with God like that. That's the whole point of humanity. So that's the long kind of rambly way of saying, yeah, I, I think that that was the first um, transhumanist um, example, I guess is a good way of putting it. Well, but I, I, I think oh. it, it follows um, Lucifer's attempt to usurp authority from Christ and, and from God, you know, the Trinity. Go, go ahead, James. Sorry. No, I, I agree with you there for the most part. I think the real actual um, attempt was was the Tower of Babel, really, because, like you said, um, being created in the image of God, men are creators. They like to create things. You know, we give right. been given the uh, drive to create, but when when you're given over to a reprobate mind, all you can think about is not creating but destroying the creation it's you know and you see this with homosexuality and transgenderism and all of this um and you see with the tower of babel i mean they could have built the tower just because they wanted to build a tower to show that they you know are smart and they could build things but no their intention was to build a tower up into heaven and to try to cast god from heaven right so they're you know i I mean, I feel I try to boil things down to the most simple things sometimes. And I, I see everything as either being basically babblism or, um, or, you know, following Christ. Because the ultimate end to anyone who rejects Christ and becomes reprobate is, to, is basically the Tower of Babel. Yeah, so, I think that's a good I, point. Uh, let, I, me, let me read this quote real quick. Before, unless y'all want to answer the question as well, it's a no, go go ahead and read the quote. Then, then oh. I'll back. okay. So this is um, C.S. Lewis um, in um, Abolition of Man. It says in battle, it is not syllogisms that will keep the reluctant nerves and muscles to their post in the third hour of the bombardment. The crudest sentimentalism about a flag or a country or a regiment will be of more use. We were told, we were told it all along by Plato, as the king governs by his executives, so reason in man must rule the mere appetites by means of spirited element. The head rules the belly through the chest, the seat, as Alanis tells us, of magnanimity, of emotions organized by trained habit into stable sentiments. The chest magnanimity sentiment, uh, 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 yeah, the chest magnanimity sentiment, these are the indispensable liaison officers between cerebral man and visceral man. It may even be said 
that it is by this middle element that man is man. For by his intellect, he is mere spirit, and by his appetite, mere animal. The operation of the Green Book, a book promoting relativism, and its kind is to produce what may be called men without chests, a, a persevering devotion to truth, a nice sense of intellectual honor, cannot be long maintained without the aid of a sentiment. It cannot, if it is not excess of thought, but defect of fertile and, gen, and generous emotion that marks them out. The heads are no bigger than the ordinary. It is the atrophy of the chests beneath that makes them seem so. And all the time, such is the tragicomedy of our situation. We continue to clamor for those very qualities that we are rendering impossible. You can hardly open a periodical without some without coming across the sentiment that, our, that what our civilization civilization needs more is what our civilization. Sorry. You can hardly open a periodical without coming across the statement that what our civilization needs is more drive or dynamism or self-sacrifice or creativity. In a sort of ghastly simplicity, we remove the organ and demand the function. We make men without chests and expect of them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and, build the get and bid the geldings be fruitful. The Apostle Paul writes, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. If followers of Christ live as people with chests, strong hearts filled with God's truth, the world will take notice. I think that, um, you know, first of all, that's a, <clears throat> first of all, that's a, a money quote right there. Uh, so I had to hear for that one. Uh, but I, it, it, I think allows me to have a, segue into part of my uh motivation to come on here for this um particular episode um so you know what c.s lewis is saying in that i mean he's saying a lot but uh what what do you i think one of the key points that that he's driving at is that man is has you know uh intellectual like a uh and the capabilities for reason, right? He also has his heart and his passion, right? And he has instinctual drives, which people have said some variation of this in different ways uh, for a long time. You know, the ancient Greeks said it, you know, psychologists say it, uh, C.S. Lewis has said it, and C.S. Lewis said it like a poet would say it, which is, you know, words is the way that, you know, I kind of like to think of things more than a scientist does but um you know the the thing about this is that it it's like you he also is saying that kind of what makes man uh man is that like that in between where you're not just this logical uh computer rational being but you're certainly also not this debased, uh, instinctual beast. Uh, you are something with a heart, right, and a soul. Uh, and when I think about what makes a man a man, and when I say man, I mean a human generally, um, you know, what makes us who we are, uh, you know, a lot of what we are is desire, you know, um, 
And it doesn't have to be necessarily negative when I say the desire. I'm talking in the kind of uh, a thinker that's you know played on my heart more and more as time goes on. This uh, French writer named Rene Girard, and he had a way of understanding desire that is pretty interesting. Um, it's not you know just uh, what you think it is, which is um, wanting something, right? He called it mimetic desire because you know to imitate something essentially is mimesis the old ancient greek word and how this relates to transhumanism is that what i was saying earlier about why is it attractive to so many people what does it say about us you know and about the people that believe it are the people that want it because you also said that you know at first you know, you were in, you're honest about it. Like there's something attractive about it. Right. Um, and there's something, you know, not just interesting in an intellectual way, but it speaks to, you know, other types of desires. And, you know, one of them being not wanting to die. One of them probably being more, you know, that's just like instinctual, but I think it plays on this kind of uh, Luciferian, I guess would be the best um, word for it, I think we can agree. Uh, and I, I'll stop saying uh, Faustian and say Luciferian because uh, it's a little more, um, a little more ontologically uh, correct. Uh, so, well, yeah. I, just to interject real quick, the, the reason why I go back to Luciferian, and I think Faust is a good example of that because mm -hmm. Mephistopheles was supposed to be Satan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Satan is offering something to Faust that didn't work out for him. He already knows the fruits, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's just he's he's tricking man into this bargain. Yeah. So um I, I don't think Faustian bargain is a bad way to phrase it. I wanted to bring in the Luciferian aspect because it adds to the villainy of what Mephistopheles was doing. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it, it's not just that he was offering something that he knew he couldn't give. It's that he was offering something that failed for him in the past, and he knew exactly what was going to happen to Faust as a result. Well, the old adage goes, don't quit while you're ahead. And circling back to... T, T Money's question on the ontological basis of the fall of man. I, you know, I think of obviously, I think of it more in a mechanical aspect. And that C.S. Lewis quote kind of just changed my mind on it. But there's also, so I don't necessarily see the fall of man as something as trans. That's, that's a, I guess I've never really heard it framed that way. The temptation is there. The temptation to become like God is there. But would I call that necessarily transhumanistic? I don't know. I don't know if I would call it something like that. And I know I just read Father Seraphim's quote, and that relates to Travis more so, or T, T money than it does me. But the the. The hard, the thing I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around 
is that no matter how good or how bad we can be, obviously the worst reject Christ, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how much we're steeped in sin, Christ will love us. And we do have to, we do have to make that willing, that willing hope and strive for him. But even those who reject him, he knows that they're still human beings and they're still for flawed human beings. And just like that addiction to porn, just like that addiction to something on the internet or alcohol or drugs or, you know, something of the world, right? If we're so imprisoned like this, and I just, I, I cannot help but think of a fictional character in Paul Atreides who became so filled with his terrible purpose and so consumed by his own jihad throughout the universe that he caused, he basically became the prisoner of his own will in his own mind. So now when we become that prisoner of our own will, is that something that's beyond becoming transhuman and beyond something that's even that could possibly, well, it's not beyond God because nothing's beyond God, but is that so far fused with something that is as simplistic as figuring it out about turning back to God because someone has fallen so far away from him. But if you're falling so far away from him and you know how accessible Christ is, then is that, is that something that is instinctual or something else? Well, I mean, I think that, um, I mean, what you're asking, I mean, it with, I mean, I, I think I understand like you're kind of, um, I guess, uh, not, not necessarily equating, um, Luciferian, uh, desire with necessarily what is transhumanism, because it, it gets like into this question of any ism, you know, has a lot of baggage to it. And we're of course right. living in, in yeah. the era that we're in and. You know, so, you know, it, it has, like, we have, I guess, to make it a little more, um, less abstract and more tangible, like, we can look at transhumanism sociologically and also individually, right? I mean, because we can, I think both are are worthy of this, you know, podcast, and in, in, in it's relevant to both, obviously. You know, but, what but I do think it's important and worthwhile to try to differentiate between what may be going on between the people that run things right whatever you want to call them the elite the the infamous they you know the people that are propagating this sort of thing now it's also uh though you know for in order for it to work in any sense or degree that it's going to work it, it it has to reach the individual and operate on the individual level um and this is where psychology comes in to play this is where you know basic human nature human behavior and that's why i think you know i keep circling back to that because you know it, it just it, it crystallizes things a little better um because we can we can talk about you know it, it seems like the natural flow of where we're going is more uh, right now, uh, individual based, 
you know, and I, and I think that yeah. we could we could speak a lot more tangibly on that than we can with what well, they want. But we well, both just to, oh. so I think this might be a good segue back into like revisiting the the, the whole you know porn issue and how it reaches yeah. an individualistic level. Um, Before we go there, can I ask one question to JP? Yeah. Um, JP, would it would it does this kind of clear? some of your trepidation with this because i think what's happening is we're recognizably using the word transhumanism in a bit of an anachronistic way like we're we're, we're not yeah. saying that you know lucifer or even the offer to eve was yeah. transhumanism as a fully formed doctrine but as yeah, hard, something that's it's something that's touching the core of what transhumanism wants to begin with the essence of what the what the abstract essence of what we're talking about now now i understand you you guys said ontologically with with the te telea i can't I, you Teleology. know I, attached to it and now i definitely understand okay. it okay all right so that, i that was that just wanted to make sure that that was clear so so one of the things that i um when we when, when i called the original sin of uh, transhumanism. I, I would say more of that was the seed to what we have now, and we can see its growth over time. Uh, from, oh, yeah. From the, yeah. To, the, um, to the Jacobins, to, to you know, Marxism to today. But yeah. but getting back on how they reach the individual, and that's they, they literally are hacking your 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 biological programming. Ah. Okay, Damn. so take the yeah. for example. Uh, we, we, we are looking at this thing and, and, you know, we have an innate desire to procreate and to create, you know, more, more children for us, right? That is a good desire that God has placed within most humans. And um, they, they've, they've hijacked that to now everybody has a harem at the palm of their hand. You know, you literally have a whorehouse in your hand. And that satisfies this desire. And therefore, you no longer have any instinctual need to go and to hunt the bacon because you have a free, <laughs> you have a free porn site, and um, and, and th this just goes all into you know the the whole you will live in a pod and you will eat the bugs, uh, because <laughs> all they're gonna have to do is put you in in a padded cell, give you a TV and a cell phone, and you will be happy and you will own yeah. nothing, you know. Um, <laughs> You won't you won't have any instinctual drive to do the very things that God gave you the gifts to do. And you the seed, the seed thing, that's that's the plant that has to grow. That's the plant that has to germinate. You have to grow within well, and you know, see there's there's that whole dynamic because I'm obviously my mind is going to the three parts instead of I'm try I'm trying to not be as dualistic as I possibly can. But Obviously, we're made up made up of mind, body, and soul. Now, they're literally trying to take away your soul by, oh, well, I can just go plant my seed or my soul in another machine. But I, but you know, you know, if 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 somebody that if my partner has um, issues with fertility, I can go and intravenously have it done. Now they're trying to take away your seed, right? And then on top of this, your mind, 
with something like TV, the internet, you know, something it's mindless programming. And that's literally, that's a little word that they use programming. So they're literally trying to turn your mind into nothing but mush. And of course, the levels that I operate at, I'm just like, this is absolute crap. But I watched the absolute crap and I still kind of think it's funny. Anyway, I think, I think part of the, it, the, the seed that is planted that's there, and we, we always say this, and I see this, I see this across the board as, as Christians, that you will know the tree by its fruits. Well, what do you have to have before you plant a tree? A seed. So I think on this is this is this is me circling back to the ontological, you know, part that that T Money brought into this. And it is just it's to me, it's like it's like, dude, that is just that's so that's where the roots go. To say that somebody is rootless, bam. You know, and that that right there makes so much sense to me because where are your roots at? And I know I'm a you know, I know I'm the I'm the northerner here, but you guys aren't rootless people to me. And that to me has so much more in common than oh you're from the north or you're from the south. You know what I mean? Like that 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 just that echoes eh, that echoes in eternity. I'm just well, surprised that Russell instead of Russell. <laughs> I did, but but you know what I mean? I mean that's just that just shows you know that that seed is planted. So that's that's kind of where I guess that's that's where I'm going. Well, I, mean, and I think I mean, part of there. the reason part of the reason why this you know you're talking about a lot of disorientation you know you mentioned the internet and tv and all these different mediums that we can find entertainment and we can find uh things to escape into i mean a lot of this i think is indicative of the fact that and you also hinted at you know la lacking a place you know uh, a grounding if you will in a in a real ecosystem in a real you know, township and a real community, et cetera. Um, this, this is at play as well. And this is why this whole thing can get really wide and, and, and this net gets cast really far. But I mean, fundamentally, I think why it appeals to people in a lot of ways is because most people, you know, in our day and age have a lot of what uh, uh, a student of, uh, Rene Girard, uh, Luke Burgess calls thin and thick desires. So by thin desires, he means things that are fleeting, things that are, you know, here today, gone tomorrow, you know, uh, like memes are a good example of that. Um, you know, 30 second, 30 second sound bites. Everything's about clips, you know, uh, you know, a three minute clip of this, a five minute clip of that. Um, let's spread it over here. Let's look at it on YouTube and, you know, whatever. Um, and so by thin desires, you know, it, it plays on our kind of, unfortunately, uh, what a lot of people find themselves attracted to are these thin desires because they don't have what he counters that with, which, which he calls thick desires. And thick desires are ones in which you have to cultivate. They're real. They have meaning behind them. A thick desire would be something like uh, cultivating uh, a relationship 
with a woman to become your wife. You know, another thick desire would be, of course, cultivating your relationship with God. Uh, another one would be, you know, your profession or your occupation or, you know, hopefully your vocation, you know, something like that. That's a thick desire. And what we have now going on, unfortunately, is in our culture, if you want to call it that, uh, we have a bunch of people running around like chickens with their head cut off, you know, um, and they are. And so if this is where the technology comes into play and it makes it so pernicious because it permeates everything that we interact with. Um, and this is where it can start interfering with, you know, our, our nature itself in a lot of ways. It's not that it, I don't, I used to think, you know, in, in a good friend of mine, uh, Withered Rose told me, you know, he, he, he pushed back in a lot of ways because I would always be ranting and raving and being very emotional about my fear of technology. And I've been thinking very, very seriously about this for, you know, well over, uh, I mean, I've been thinking about the, the tech question for almost my whole adult life, but I've been thinking about why it is that I'm so afraid of it um, here in the past six months or so, uh, very concretely. And, you know, what I found is that, you know, I don't necessarily think like I used to that technology can change our nature it's that it plays upon our nature and going back to what i said with these thin desires it's it's like you know overstimulation right it's overload and so if you are not grounded with things that take blood sweat and tears to cultivate then you will be way more susceptible to these things you know like the games that go the games that go on on Twitter and the kind of regular normie sphere and the things that go on in Telegram and other kind of more niche uh, spheres are both those technologies are perfectly suited to cultivate thin desire and not thick desire. So I've, uh, I was actually talking with my niece yesterday about this and um, I'll, I'll tie it in here shortly, but. We got on the topic of the uh, the television show Stranger Things, and I, I told her I was like, you know, the, these these things that you know they're good for entertainment, but you need to understand what you're actually watching, and that's that they are literally revealing the process on how they're breaking down the third wall to let demons into our sphere. Um, and and see what I what I mean by that is that they're programming you to accept this as normal. So that to, to use the uh, the C.S. Lewis term from that hideous drink, the macrobes can come. Uh, I, I think it was Lucas in, the, in uh, when we were doing sound checks, he was talking about the Nephilim, you know, the, these these entities that are behind everything. Uh, and and to, to back me up here, I believe, you know, it's the Apostle Paul that says we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against, you know, uh, principalities and. And, you know, we're, we're struggling against demons. It's a spiritual fight, not just merely a physical one. And uh, once we understand that, then we can start looking at how they have been programming us to, to you know, to do these things. Like they, they fulfilled our Faustian spirit by letting us watch uh, action movies on TV. They've made us rootless by these TV shows. They've denigrated the family by making all the, all the you know, these complete bumbling idiots. 
right? You know, I can name off several examples. Um, uh, Peter Griffin, uh, Homer Simpson, uh, blah, blah, blah. The, there's numerous of uh, the uh, all in the not the all in the family. Yeah, the fat guy alone. Do what? I said leave the fat guys alone. <laughs> yeah, but but they, they you know and, they, and it's just years of pushing this. Like and even look at um you know people are probably gonna hate me when they listen to this, but even going all the way back to Andy Griffith, that wholesome show, but you didn't see any functioning married couples. Um, the only married person in the entire series was the town drunk. And um, so, so you're, you're looking at this and you just become so desensitized. And uh, JP said it earlier, they call it programming for a reason. Like they are. Oh, no, dude, that, that's a Wow. That so they're, they're literally programming us and they are channeling stuff to us. So while we're just looking at it from the, the material point, what we're actually there's a spiritual element there. So to bring in a little bit of my background, I was, I was raised, you know, backwoods Pentecostal. And uh, one of the, one of the silly things that mom, or silly that I thought that mom always used to say is be careful because demons can jump through the TV. She was right, but for the completely wrong reasons. Yeah. Right. There, there's literally like demonic forces that are, that, that are being channeled to you and you are being desensitized to them literally and and this is the whole this is just movement into the right direction into the metaverse because when we're fulfilling our our drive and our passions via these these you know the a team that we're 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 doing our hero's journey person on this um through the latest marvel comic you know because we relate a lot to the protagonist um uh, i think i was listening to jordan peterson and he mentioned that yeah um when, when, we're, when we're fulfilling all that we that we desire to do vicariously through someone else, then what's the point of us? Why, why should we go out and conquer the world? Uh, and it makes you rootless, it makes you apathetic, and it makes you lazy. Man, that is so. Silly. And it's uh, funny uh, because oh, I'm sorry, you go. Uh, it's fine. Just a couple of things to kind of tie this up. Because uh, I, and I think this will speak to a lot of the people that would listen to our podcast, anyways. Um, you know, go online to Google and search "white couple." What do you get? You get half the options don't have at least one of the spouses as black. Um, you'll get about you know five to seven percent of the pictures have just a black couple. There's no white couple at all. You'll get a few white couples here and there. But, you know, the the other thing that I think has made me a little bit more sensitive to this issue um, has been the way that Southerns are portrayed in media. Um, you know, even during the 50s, uh, the 60s, you know, Southerns were treated with some kind of respect. Uh, the, the general populace in the United States actually thought kindly of the Southerns. And there's been a concerted push to make Southerns, to make fathers, to make uh, you know very masculine men out to be evil, 
out to have nefarious uh, reasons as to why they are, you know, masculine to begin with. It's not because that's what they are. It's not because that's who they are. It's because they have a reason. They want to get something from you. They want to. They want to take something from you. And that kind of stuff is prevalent everywhere. And so, if you can see this on those those kinds of levels, go back and watch some of the old media where they they inserted certain mindsets, and it's this incremental degradation of your perception of goodness. And well, it's, oftentimes it's subversion, it's subversion with this demented deconstruction of your worldview under the guise of good morality. Uh, well, what was that show about the, uh, sorry, I, 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 I got to get this out cause it, it's, it's right there. What's that show about the, um, the pastor and his family? Um, oh, no. Heaven, I think, and uh, it was on like uh, CW or something or other. Yeah, so, like, it was. Back off. It was seventh supposed heaven. to be like a Seventh Heaven. That's that's it. And it was supposed to be a wholesome family show, yeah. and they introduced yep. all kinds of degenerate stuff in that show, and that was tailored they, towards Christians. Yeah, I mean they did and they didn't. I mean like they they had some very light degeneracy sprinkled in with oh well oh and and. <laughs> Dude, well, that, when that. I say when I say degenerate, I, I mean it's the little things that count, right? It's the yeah, the right, fact right. that the the pastor and that. husband wasn't really as faithful as he ought to be. He really didn't know what he was talking about half the time. He wasn't really as honorable as as he was supposed to be. Like it, it was very much it it was under the guise of this is a good Christian show. And at the end of the the show, whenever it finally went off the air, you know the family had broken up. the 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 daughter had you know a kid or two out of wedlock, all that other good stuff, as if to say that this is the story of how a pastor and his family will necessarily go. Well, the first thing that you mentioned in that um, was that when you started talking about how the South is portrayed generally. Yeah, for our entire life and a little before um and i mean that's again like not to uh beat a dead horse but that's a prime example of a gerardian term called the scapegoat mechanism i mean we have mm -hmm. to we have to create a scapegoat sociologically and 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 you know with that it we being like the new america uh coming out of the you know, Voting Rights Act and uh, civil rights legislation of 1964, 1965. And a big part of that, you know, is that that project, if you want to call it, it is, okay, so who's going to be to blame, right? Who's going to, how can we channel this, this energy? And, and Gerard says the scapegoat uh, basically is a way of controlling uh, violence in a lot of ways. Um, and so, and you can see this, you know, historically throughout time, of course, in any number of different examples. Um, but anyway, and it's, it's ultimately, uh, personified in the Christian story in, you know, Jesus's, uh, death and resurrection, but, but in the way it's been kind of used and manipulated and bastardized and contorted to, f it could fit any, uh, political actors end 
uh, ends, you know, and so first, you know, with that being said about what's going, what has been going on with like, okay, we want to, you know, kind of subtly uh, at first and then ramp it up more and more as the decades go on about what is, you know, persona non grata. Well, it's a white Christian Southern man, of course, um, that is the enemy of the state. Uh, and that's the enemy of the American dream now. That's the enemy of diversification and equity and inclusion, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, uh, that that's that's one thing on a fundamental level, I think, that's at play. And the people that wanted that, that you know, that that was their goal, you know, has pretty much succeeded unfortunately uh in the minds of a lot of people uh in america particularly and even around the world uh you know and and then it gets into the more nitty-gritty pernicious ways right of how they do this like you you know even in like a show like seventh heaven like you said but that i think is kind of a that's kind of a i guess um that's postmodernism at play there you know as well um and, and and also kind of how you are going to make a critique of some pre-existing structure or some value right you're going to literally deconstruct it you know like i know that word's been used a lot you know in podcast and in and in our sphere if you want to call it that you know it's 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 very real it's definitely going on you know but it's like like I said, like it, it starts more fundamentally, I think, with scapegoating, you know, um, and and you see this on Twitter, right? Like if you look at like a, a tangible example of like Twitter mobs and uh, shaming that goes on and then, you know, doxing and wanting to get somebody fired, right, for wrong think or whatever. Um, but the problem is, is again, going back to what I said about thin desires is that you have people that it's you know, one thing after the next, because that's kind of the nature of our culture. And so a Twitter mob is organized. It sees a scapegoat personified in someone as influential and, and as big as, say, Donald Trump. But as soon as they kick him off, you see that, like, it's even when they finally got their their goal, so to speak, it's not placated by that. It's never enough. It's not enough. Right you're on to the next thing. And, you know, that plays with like the way the news cycle works and, and, and various other things, but it more basically, more fundamentally plays upon the fact that we are just, again, most of us are going around just trying to get an uptick on, uh, in our dopamine or, you know, trying to see the next thing trying to the fad the trend what's viral all that stuff plays on thin desires and, and so it, it's not that it doesn't work you know it does work you know as a form of manip manipulation and, and um, crowd psychology and all that too so it's not like but what i'm saying is that fundamentally like you're just going to keep on seeing these things like that you know you're going to keep seeing people brought to the surface to ridicule and scapegoat. And then that's going to get quenched for like a day or two. And then what happens when we get on to the next thing, on to the next thing, right? Because our institutions that used to contain violence are becoming weaker, 
you know, the, their ability to do that uh, is is kind of becoming uh, withered away. You know, it, it's um, and that's why you know we're we're in this kind of more chaotic, more chaotic. Uh, well, situation. I think you know overall with our culture, like it's very chaotic. You know, it's very well, dangerous. One thing that I've kind of noticed um, is that the reason that they attack the South so hard is because the South will be the last person to to adopt their transhumanist agenda. You know, we're we're still we still have a high percentage of people that still go out and play in the dirt. They they still go out and live life, and they're not contained, right? Like we're still a free spirited people. Like we're the we're, we are Heritage America. We are what's left of Heritage America, right? We're, we are the ones that built this country from the ground up. We, we conquered this nation. And, um, you know, we, we can bring up the southernization of, of rural America if we want to, but we still have this, this dream of going out and conquering more. Now, well, it's, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. And I will pop no, in. Go ahead. Okay, so just to just to piggyback off of that, um, the the problem that I see, and and I think this, I think this feeds into uh, the topic that we're we're talking about transhumanism as a whole quite nicely, because the problem that I see is that rural America, generally speaking, is living in a in a mode that is is healthy generally speaking like there, there's some bad spots but the people who live in the rural areas don't seem to have the intellectual acumen to defend their position to defend their way of life now i know that you know you're not going to convince the ivory tower you know, globo homo guys, because uh, they're bought in. They've invested their entire life fortune, several generations of family members, and you know all that other stuff. And and if they're not demonically possessed, they're adjacent to someone who is. But there's a lot of people who could be convinced through discussion and through conversation that aren't being reached and aren't being you know, addressed because the people in the rural areas, they don't know how to defend their way of life, intellectually speaking. Um, and um, so, and so we're, what we're talking well, about here, what we're interacting with here, and this is why we want this on our podcast, is we want people to see what's going on who maybe never been on Twitter we want people to see what's going on who have gotten on Twitter a couple of things, a couple of times, saw that it was weird and didn't get it. Because what you can do is you can manufacture consent through Twitter. The reason why a lot of these large corporations are so hard in on the woke agenda mm-hmm. is, is in part because journalists hang out on Twitter. And when somebody says something negative about, you know, so I, I saw there was a Mississippi representative um, a few months ago who got ran off Twitter because he said that people preying upon children ought to be lined up against a wall and shot. Now, everybody's mad about that, but they decided to lump in to that discussion 
well, he said that anybody who's trans needs to get shot. And that's not what he said. But the journos got a hold of it because they got swamped on Twitter. And that's their source of information. That's where they, they get their information from two different places, the CIA and Twitter. And there's a bunch of blue-haired uh, crazies on Twitter who, you know, when somebody says something off about them, they they instantly go and create a video, for instance, of PewDiePie, collect mm-hmm. the five jokes he made about Hitler uh, in the what, – what's he's been on the internet for, what, 11, 12? It's literally – like it's outrage like, porn is what you're, what you're talking about. Yes, and the journalists are all in this together. Like they're, they're, oh, they're, yeah, they're they feed whole into that because that gets them clicks, that gets them in, you know, yep. all that good Bingo. stuff. You get money, 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 but the well, money, more, less problems, I guess. Yeah. But if you're a journal, you're out of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the point I'm getting at, and the whole reason why I'm lumping all this in together and in the conversation is, um, you know, this affects you in the this affects us in the rural areas, regardless of whether we want to think it does or not. And this might seem like a dry and intellectual conversation, but the 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 people who control um, and and have influence in the laws that are being passed to govern how you run your farm, for instance, are the people who think this way, and they want you to move into the city. And so they're going to be like Bill Gates and buy up all the land everywhere. And so part of the way that we should combat this is having the people in the rural areas understand the enemy's thought process and then learn how to truly weaponize the right way of living, which they're already involved in. That That's my point of bringing all this up. So I, I, I know that's a tangent. But. You know, I got, I got something for you there, though. I'm going to piggyback. Um, you know, not to use a transhumanist argument, but I guess you could identify as bacon. Um, but to be absolutely honest about this, I didn't really, <clears throat> I didn't really understand the Christian Southern mentality until, until I looked at it from an outsider's perspective. And what I mean by this is not, has nothing to do in the geography of where I'm at, has nothing to do with being Christian has nothing to do with being Southern. It has everything to do with the mentality. And what I see from people who are up North in my state or rural in my state is they still have that kind of hard roots. We're from this area. We're proud of this area. And you see that Baptist, Pentecostal, um, whatever, whatever Protestant denomination there is down the road from them and that's where we congregate that's where we go every sunday and that's how we know you know bill is selling potatoes on tuesday and jim is selling celery on thursdays right that's how we know that's how we get together that's our facebook that's our twitter and stuff and i'm like this is so fundamentally important and to me it really it really resonates i'm obviously gonna platform on this one in the orthodox world because what 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 happens is is that our monastics our church hierarchy and all that they're so detached from technology and the orthodox world is so detached from technology that they don't really know how to use it they haven't never really used it and to me that shows that we're still in that mode of well 
number one, do we really need visibility? And no, no, because as something as sacred as it is, I feel that rural people and or Southerners who have obviously that continued lineage of that heritage is something that's that spirit is just still so absolutely prominent and so it's so essentially american that you even you you come up here and you're like oh well you know these these rednecks don't understand what's going on in the real world and i would go you mean these people who are out here busting their behinds farming doing what they got to do to put food on your table Tell you you're telling me that they're going to be worried about what's on Facebook or Twitter? <laughs> I, I, somebody, somebody actually had the nerve to say that to me. Some woke, weird, liberal girl at um, I was at like a, a, a like a beer fest a while back. I imagine that I was at a beer fest, but um, uh, and it was somewhere on a on a local local farm that that has turned big into a hard cider mill now. But that's besides the point. And I laughed in her face when she said that to me. I was like, you you have got to be kidding me. These people are out here in not only not only employing people and giving people jobs and giving people livelihoods, but on top of this, they're making money and they're reinvesting back into the community and trying to be good, honest, hardworking people. I don't I could care less if they're Orthodox, Protestant, Hindu. Whatever. At least they're trying to care about what happens and what they put their what what product they're putting out to you as a quality product. That to me says more about who they are than you going complaining about it on Twitter. So I mean, I mean, that's just like that's essentially that's I mean, it's it's right there. It's so vividly. <laughs> Well, it's stupid to, to, for her to make that argument, but it's also that spirit is just, it's, I mean, well, it's, that's it's, what they think of us. Right. Exactly. And then it's like, to me, that's, it's, that's dehumanizing. Like that's not because if that's, well, it if is, that's, and that reflects yeah. in their media, right. And how right. they talk about us and, and the fact that they would write a scare article about the Southernization of the rule of rural America because that you know when they when they see that they're in their mind instantly because they're 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 trained to look for all oh. the bad things right mm -hmm. they're trained to look for all the evils they're going to instantly yeah. see well somebody's out there flying a a St Andrews you know cross uh he must be a nazi right yeah. the last guy i saw flying a St Andrews was a nazi and it's like they don't see the everyday guy so there's you a guys distance issue but there's also an issue upgrade. of their genuine hate of, yeah. you know, the get, South. Get the get the get the Byzantine flag. You guys got to upgrade. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'll keep the St. Andrews. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, if I can interject here, um, there's more than just a a hatred or a um, uh, I don't know, kind of you get the idea of the journalists or those who go along with the system, uh, you know, they're, they're uppity, you know, they, they, they have all the right ideas. They know what's going on and we're the backwards yokels. But in reality, 
kind of part of, um, you know, the, I don't even want to, you know, use this word, but the American spirit, what it used to mean to be an American was that you were skeptical of all power. So you always, there were, we had healthy skepticism and we used to have the brain power to back this up. I mean, rural areas used to be, you know, have very smart people in them, but it's only been in the last few decades due to urbanization and the, uh, that we've had brain drain in rural areas. So now we have people who have all the right kind of skepticism, but they don't have the, the smarts to, or the time even, because they're all working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day uh, to actually write out a thesis on why their skepticism is right. So I see the attack on, you know, the Southerner or the Ruralite as being more trying to break down the last bit of resistance. And if you bring it back to the transhumanism, I'm kind of like one of those people. I don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of what's going on there, but I know it's probably not good because the wrong people are telling me it's good. So we, um, I, I, I don't see it as a, a disdain for uh, rural people, but I see it as actually a breakdown trying to destroy the last bits of genuine dissent that there is in this country. So, so one of the interesting things that you pointed out was the brain drain of the rural areas, and that's because we're pushing universities so flipping hard. For, for instance, I, I didn't, you know, I, I said on this podcast before I didn't go to college. I don't, I'm not college educated. Um, if you couldn't already tell that, but but uh, but, but whenever what happens is, is I've seen so many of the people that I went to high school with go to college and never come back to this area. Now I don't live in in a complete you know BFE area. Like there there's cities close to me that where I live you can commute to and actually hold you know a dang good job. But at the same time, like these people are all going off to the big cities. They're going to Atlanta. They're going to uh, to Baltimore. They're going to New York. That kind of stuff. And, and it's and because the the state has their mind for let's see, um, they do four years of college, seventeen years. All of their formative years has been pushing nothing but the state curriculum that is by necessity, and we covered this in our secular education podcast, by necessity, simply materialistic. It has to be plug and play with every single one. It is a complete secular education, and it is not founded upon any metaphysical realities. So we we, we might can touch back on that if we want to later. Well, that, that was, yeah, that was my ring about libertarianism in a couple of our chats earlier today. Um, I, I went on several screens. I'm going to have, we're going to have to end up doing something. I'll write an article or something about libertarianism and why it's fake and gay. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's this conception of man is, um, you know, this is just the same thing as what we're talking about here. You know, you, man is just a, is just reason. He's just a, a pattern of thought that you can transplant. Um, there's no, temporal tangible roots everything is abstractions um i was watching the uh, academic agents take down of libertarianism and you know he points out that the, the 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 people who espouse libertarianism they're the main philosophers you can go to hoppe you can go to mises you can go to um 
I don't know, just look at any of them, really. Uh, they have the same fundamental goals as the Marxists. They just have a different means by which to get to those goals. And I would highly recommend uh, everybody read After Virtue by Alistair McIntyre. Um, I think it was Neil who originally recommended that book to me. And it, it'll really change the way that you understand modernity and how to interact with it because it, he, because he it goes all the way, goes back, all the to way the back to the original enlightenment mm -hmm. philosophers through Kant, Kierkegaard, etc., and demonstrates how they destroyed our ability to have conversations, which huh. atomizes everyone. Yeah. And then um, he, he demonstrates how modernity is this separation of man from his telos which makes virtue impossible, which is why the book is named after virtue. So, you mm. know, we kind of touched on that a little bit with the, with the Lewis quote. That's why I wanted to throw it in there um, because you take away man's capacity to be virtuous and then you expect that virtue of him. And so the, the process that they're, that they go about in, uh, uh, capturing your mind and your heart through your behaviors and your passions and then mm -hmm. weaponizing you against God. Cause that's the attempt. They want to subvert God's created order. That attempt in so doing, they take away from you that which makes you human, mm -hmm. which is your ability to think and see, understand to, to master yourself and to create a proper, um, yeah. kingdom as a representative of Christ on earth. Well, it's, it's apathy that leads into apotheosis and apparent and all the way into just void listlessness or licentiousness as many of the church fathers pointed out. And what's, what's so interesting about that is that it's a, well, let's, let's just do it. Evolian involution, um, and that, and that to me is probably now I'm coming full circle with the fall. And the issue here is that, of course, many of the church fathers and the saints tackled is that where are we going? Where are we going to replace that will of God? What are we going to replace it with? How are we going to replace it? And which is why I'm, you know, I'm so thankful that I that I went back to that because without it, there wouldn't be a root for me. Does it have anything to do with my heritage? No. But the problem is, is that they tackle those existential questions, but they tackled them in such a manner, not on a and and you see you see this in libertarianism, you see this in Marxism, you see this in fascism, you see this in I guess democracy. You see this in republicanism. I mean, you see it across the board in all these isms is that they try to tackle these questions on a collectivization kind of mentality. And the problem is, is that like when people went or when journos or whatever, the retards on whatever social media site, try to go off on people who they like, oh, well, we got to We got to make fun and, and point at these stupid people at the southerners or these people that wear MAGA hats or, you know, whatever, whatever the political perspective is at the time that's to the antithesis of what 
the people in the ivory towers ivory towers are supposedly preaching which is not truth and it gets to the point to where okay are you guys willing to go out and put your dicks in the dirt are you guys willing to go out and go on the ground and talk to people and know how they are dealing with their problems face to face day to day paycheck to paycheck well you know, we got to do more more things for the black community, the Hispanic community. What, what you know, pick 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 your choice, right? And the problem is, is that it's like they can say all those, well, just empty platitudes for sure, because that's exactly what they are. But they don't care about the paycheck to the paycheck that the Hernandez family is living off of, because of their grandmother's medical problems that her son and her other three grandkids have to go and work jobs to pay for her medical bills. You know what I mean? And it's just like, there's, there's a harsh reality that just stops. And well, well, you guys all identify as Latinx. You think they give, you think they give two craps about being called something on a, on a, on a weird identity card. That's not going to be only polarized to them, but polarized to everybody else. You think that you think they care about that problem? No, they care about their dying grandmother. And that to me shows that there is issues within issues and this ontological perspective that they want to take of like, well, everybody needs to love everybody. No. Pump your brakes right there, Chief. Because you can't even get over the fact of the of the fact that civil war happened and you can't even accept people with dissenting opinions that don't agree with you. So right there, if you want to say love is love, you you're not now you're not even speaking your own virtue, your own supposed self-virtue. So the problem here is, is that once you get into that tangent, it now now that is that that is something that definitely is transhumanistic and it's altered your complete ulterior motives now it's digging now it's digging deeper at you now it's now it's attacking the very fabric of your being because you want to say oh well these platitudes mean something well t money and l money are are now southerners right oh well so so as a northerner now i have the ivory tower to say oh well you know i don't need to listen to them because i'm more elite than they are because i live in the north what kind of what kind of crap is that like that that's that to me shows that you're putting yourself above somebody else for what reason? That shows that shows absolutely no no principle. It shows no integrity, and it shows that you've obviously quote unquote transcended yourself as a human being, but in the most stupidly arrogant and ignorant kind of way. Well, that reminds me. It reminds me of. Um... I just recently listened to that hideous strength and uh, in the beginning of that, uh, the book, when I forget the main, the, the main uh, character's name, the, the guy, um, but he was Stutic. a sociologist. Stutic, yeah. Uh, he was a sociologist and they were asking, you know, he was asking, what am I doing here? What, what's my job? And then some guy, I don't know if it was part of the main plan or not. I said, well, your job is to write up articles to show how degenerate these people are and how we really need to bring this institute into the area. So there's never I, I, I think that's really interesting because I think that hideous is probably more relevant nowadays than it was when it was first written, because 
you know, I was listening to it for the first time. I've never listened to or uh, read anything by Lewis before, and it just kind of hit in a lot of different points. But uh, there's there's never journalist or anybody who um, any of these people who are against you, academics, uh, the elites, they're, they're not coming at uh, this situation from some benign position. Uh, they're not, you know, they have uh, ulterior motives, um, you know, and the reason they hate the people that they, you know, that they just diss all the time, especially, you know, Christians, white Christians, Southerners, it's because they stand in the way of their, their goals. And in the book, those people all stood in the way of them building an institution, you know, that would eventually, um, you know, usher in demonic influences into the world. Um, and it's kind of the same with, with rural Southerners. Like I said before, they have a natural skepticism towards anybody in authority, which is healthy and good. They just can't really articulate it. So we are a, um, we really are a obstacle in their way. And you can't look at any other arguments as being in good faith. They're all, they all have ulterior motives. Right. Um, so kind of as a wrap up topic, um, I, I kind of want to hit each member of the of the panel here and just how can we use text how can we use technology as tools instead of being manipulated by them um I guess we'll start with uh with with JP and we'll kind of work our way down uh-oh you picked me first <laughs> so right now gentlemen we are using technology as a tool and this is going to go into something else now so you have the embodiment of what the imperium of man should be should look like man <laughs> machine right the space marine is definitely an embodiment of both the nichian kind of attitude spirit and well maybe an end to or means to an end dostoevsky kant goethe or you know or driven with a terrible purpose if you want to be, be absolutely pessimistic about it which warhammer 40k is it's all is, terrible purpose oh it's it's pessimistic it's so cynical it's not even i mean it's it's and it's obviously it's meant to be ridiculously over the it's top. not very post bill. No, no, it's not. For what I the little I know, it, it, it's um, not very post bill. I'm I'm speaking from <laughs> a deep lord diver here. <laughs> so you have that hero, quote unquote, filled with that purpose to slay the dragon, and that dragon is Xenos, chaos, um, all the forces that plague humanity at the time. And that's a very Nietzschean thing to do, to go into battle, to know that you're going to possibly lose maybe your life and maybe a lot more, right? So now you have the other end of the spectrum. You have, well, who I identify more with, like a Dostoevsky, even the little bit that I know about him, that purpose is going to have that end. Are you going to be born to chaos i uh, maybe are you going to be born back into that order 
as a renewed spirit, as a renewed Marine into your final test and into facing more tests and knowing no fear? Are you going to come out with that resiliency for what that Nietzschean purpose brought you there for? I don't know. I don't know, but it's an embodiment and it's, I mean, in a way it's literally, it's, it's one of the most emphatic ways to be transhuman, to be melded with machine and cybernetically enhanced. But at the same time, as like as you said before, Lucas, they don't lose their humanity. They're advancing humanity. So I guess I got that for my closing. <laughs> okay. JJ. All right. Well, I think that um basically how can we use technology in a uh, productive way in a non- transhumanist way in a meaningful way i would say that we would need to use it in such a way that cultivates uh relation you know relationships and makes them you know stronger and, and more authentic and more tangible so the best that i think uh the best advice that i can give uh if, it, if i wanted to call it that is you know, basically, you know, we have, um, we all have models that we that we have, like whether we consciously pick these models or unconsciously are moved towards them or some type of admixture of both, probably most likely. So I would say, you know, uh, be careful what models that you pick, know the models that you're, that you are mimicking uh, and, and, and imitating. Uh, and at the same time, you know, obviously there's some, you know, the, the best model, the ultimate model is Jesus. But of course, you know, that is, we're, we're fallen creatures and we need other guides as well in this world, um, unfortunately or fortunately. And so I would just say, be careful what models that you pick. And when you use technology, the more that you can use it to be relational, meaning on an individual level with other individuals, in, 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 a, in a communal way as well. And also, you know, for, it's like, okay, so you have all this wonderful technology uh, that can be used in various different ways to think about the things that you really wanna be focused on in your life, your, your real goals that affect other people and that tangibly affects yourself. And the more that you can uh, activate and, and curate and, and use, you know, whatever social media that you use, whatever websites that you go to, whatever blogs that you read or that you write, you know, try to, the more that you can really um, focus in on um, making things uh, happen in person with that technology, uh, the more authentic they will be and the less transhumanist they will be. James? Well, I don't believe any aspect of life is neutral. I mean, that goes for technology as well. And I just have to look on it, you know, it's basically the, the it's been a net negative, in my opinion. Now, I'm not somebody who spends a great deal of time on the internet or with technology. So 
I'm not even, I mean, I'm not even aware of all the, the good stuff that's done with it. So I don't want to be too, you know, come down on it too hard, but uh, I just think that technology is kind of killing us softly, you know, and it's ushering us into kind of a, the transhumanist um, kind of the new world order, I guess you could say. Um, I just, I, th I think you got to be extremely cautious with it as you have to with everything. Um, and I, I just would encourage people to try to, uh, you know, avoid it, you know, when it's not necessary as much as possible. That's pretty much all I've got. I can go or you can go. Um, I, I'll go ahead and go. Cause I, uh, my my answer to this would be very similar to JJ's, but it would be a, a little bit of a different flavor. Um, the whole point of transhumanism is this transience that they want to invest in you, and they want they want you to be transient. We started this podcast going through Dabney because we thought that the core of what a southern man should be is a man rooted in family and rooted in in his people and that rootedness that that tangibility grounds us to this life and it and it's an outflowing of what we are and so I guess, uh, you know, a couple of examples. I use technology to uh, uh, help people become more educated. I, I help, you know, I, I, I look for books that are helpful. I look for ideas that are helpful. And so when I come across something such as, you know, Canon Plus, which is uh, the the Wilson clan's publishing company and they've got videos on there man rampant the whole series is you know all three seasons are on there those are extremely helpful for for bringing in a good christology and a good uh doctrine of the family and doctrine of um of christ headship but that's something that's possible because of the technology that we have what we need to be wise in doing, uh, what we need to be wise with, is learning how to subvert the subversions of the enemy. Learn how, you know, White Boy Summer is a good example of this. The memes, they were a good way to subvert the, the subversion of the world, where there were people who were using White Boy Summer to do terrible things with but the guys that i talk to the guys that i interact with it was all about cultivating virtue it was all about about cultivating masculinity it was all about you know four people four place that kind of thing those are good things those are those are virtuous things those are tangible real things so i would say that if you're going to do anything with technology do something that capitulate recapitulates tangibility in what you're doing. If if what you're doing on the internet cannot be taken off the internet and slapped on your desk 
or or lived out if you're not you know using it to go plant a garden if you're not using it to to build a library if you're not using it to teach your kids if you're not using it to uh, help your your fellow brother in Christ to grow and be better human being and be a better God honoring Christian then it's probably not worth your time drop that thing drop that use of the technology and find a better use for it or just don't get on the technology learn to restrain that just like we would restrain a sexual desire or we would restrain ourselves with anger or something else see this as another um, see this as another opportunity to express either God's goodness or sin and learn how to put that sin under. So, so okay. So for my part, I mean, I, I've been struggling with this question for a while. And, uh, and, and honestly, like, I think I walk a very, uh, a very thin line with, with how I use technology. Uh, for, but I, I, so when I was on Facebook, I, I will admit I was addicted to Facebook, and Facebook is absolutely probably the worst to try to manage because the algorithms are so good that it gets you dialed in continuously. But something like Telegram, for instance, like, yes, we can make excuses like I'm building connections, I'm building a following, I'm building X, Y, and Z, which that's true, and those are good things. Like, I, I'm happy for all the friends that I've made along my Telegram journey. But at the same time, if I'm not careful, I can have that replace my in-real-life connections that I have, the the world that I live in. Um, I don't want to do without this technology. I think Telegram, you know, just as an example, because that's what we're recording on right now, is a great example. You can make libraries. You can make song lists. You can do something that actually matters. So we have to learn to guide our way through this, this maze, if you will, to, to use it as a tool. Like for, for instance, air conditioning, okay. Air conditioning can definitely be a transhumanistic element, but it doesn't have to be like, it's, it's a good gift that's been given to us. But if we can't live without this technology, and we're so reliant upon something that just produces comfort, then I think that it's a, I think that it's a travesty to us. But at the same time, you know, I, I still like getting into an air conditioned house after working in the, in the heat all day, right? Like that's, that's a joy to me. And if we be, both, we become too reliant. Okay. So, so for instance, it's like, it's the instant gratification versus, you know, actually having to cause yourself to suffer a little bit, actually knowing what it's like to be human. You know, it, it was only, let's see, the air conditioning was invented like the, uh, the mid-1900s. You know, I know there was some crude, um, some cruder ones before that, but humans have dealt with the heat. Like, it is natural for the humans to be, you know, like humans, live live in this this you know unsanitized world we've, we've become too sanitized you know we're living in hermetically sealed houses now that no disease can ever touch us you know we're we're so afraid of germs we're afraid of playing in the dirt one of the greatest examples that i think i've said it on a previous podcast is is that there are people today living in america that's never peed outside they've never peed on a tree like how much more human can you get than peeing on a tree? Okay. And that's just one, one example. And it may, may seem kind of silly, but it's not. I mean, 
we're, we're, we're no longer connected to the world that we live in. We're so disconnected. So how do we use what we have now as tools is something that we're going to have to go forward and figure this out. And, and I think that, I think that it's a good balancing act in order to use, use these things as a tool. You know, it's, it's kind of like fire. You can either burn your house down with it or even cook supper with it. Um, but I think that's, I think that's pretty much all that I, I'd, I'd start repeating myself more if I kept going, but, um, yeah. All right. So you want to do the hot seat questions now? Do y'all want to do the hot seat? Sure. Five, four questions, five questions. They're, they're pretty easy. If you don't know the answer to it, you can say pass. Uh, but just the first thing that comes to your mind, and we'll go straight down the list, starting with JP, JJ, and then James. Um, first question. Regarding eschatology. Oh, go. No, no, go. Okay. Regarding eschatology, are you pre-millennial, amillennial, or correct millennial? Uh, uh, I don't even know what any of that means, so I'm going to just say Nicene Creed. <laughs> you're you're an orthodox. Eh? I think y'all have like a different whole, whole different ball game regarding uh, es es eschatology. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, well, these these might be too uh, too poignant of questions, uh, if I'm being quite honest. But but we can ask. Uh, um, let's see. Okay, Here, here's a great one. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? Who wrote the book of Hebrews? Yes. Yeah. Who do you yeah. who wrote the book of Hebrews? <laughs> but not, I know, but not. And you can't Jesus juke on it either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God wrote it. I, oh, I, hmm. I, I, uh, I, I don't know. That's That's a good question. I don't know. JJ, would you like to opine upon this? JJ, James, I would say uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, would be my answer. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, James. I don't know. I've always assumed Paul, but uh, I've never really looked into it. Gotcha. Um, so I guess I, I'll I'll go with uh, ask JJ and James in that order. Um, uh, if if Lincoln and Davis got into a fist fight, who would win? Little little background on this. Lincoln was a champion wrestler, and David was Davis was a war hero. Oof. I would have to say uh, probably Lincoln, unfortunately, but I, I don't. If it was a fist fight, but uh, in their prime, you know, I don't know, you know. But if I had to bet, I'd say Lincoln if he really was a wrestler. James. I don't know. They both look like pieces of beef jerky. Um, <laughs> so I'm 
just gonna have to say Davis because I'm not. Uh, I am. I am very much biased. Oh, that's fine. I'm biased too, brother. And JP. Uh, Lincoln was a Marxist, so no, not to Lincoln. <laughs> he loses the fist fight on his on account of his Marxism. Like what? All right, guys, that's it for the hot seat questions. Um, any closing thoughts before we head out? Uh, just you know, if um, if uh, the listeners want to uh, check out Fletcher Christian's purview, please uh, go ahead and check that out. I write about things that are as varied as you know, adventure. Uh, talk about some uh, quality film and human nature in general, and. I would uh, end with, you know, really think about, you know, what, not just what the dangers are of technology, but uh, being kind of detached from seemingly being detached and just, you know, not, not really putting a lot of uh, emphasis and thought behind the people that you're following. You know, like I said, the models that you, you pick um, are very important. JP, where where can people follow you at also? Oh me? I got a YouTubes. So just follow me on my YouTubes. I'm not that link is too complex. I also got we'll a link tele- it in the show notes. That that you know what? That works just fine. We'll just do that. But other than that, you guys just be careful of the internet. But don't be careful of the memes because you need memes. James, any closing remarks? Uh, I know you don't have a sub stack or anything, but any anything you want to add? I have nothing to shill, but I'm going to say love the Lord, get the girl, and touch grass. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to DixiePolis at ProtonMail.com or send us a message on Gab. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at southernraisedbluegrass.com. God bless y'all. Just